name is Richard. I am a fan of Hello Kitty. I'm also a furry, which is a fan of anthropomorphic animals and part of that subculture. MMA fan, science fiction geek, and OA geek who lives in Portland, Oregon. In fact, as I have a con rep as the guy that carries around a giant three-foot Hello Kitty plush, or my 26-inch chocolate cat, depends how I feel. And some people look at me and smile, and other people just are, you know, don't even pay attention. This is Portland, Oregon, you know. You know, our slogan is, keep Portland weird, and I'm doing my part. Podcast listeners, we are back with Welcome. another with another episode of Small Gift Big Story the podcast that's dedicated to archiving, sharing, and celebrating your Sanrio stories. We've been on a short hiatus. We have been. We've been missing in action. We've been, well, not missing in action. We've been raising our baby. Yeah, we've been very busy <laughs> on the home front. Um, but we're back. We're very excited. This week we have Richard Brown, a.k.a. Acton. Acton. And I like the sound of that. Does yeah. it mean something? Well, I know... Sounds sci-fi. It's, it is... Uh, like a planet. It is Richard's... Um, pod, not podcast. Or a command. It's like, his, act on, yeah. Richard. It's his handle for his website. Uh, I need to follow his website. him. Um, website? He's got his website. Oh. He's on Facebook. Uh, nice. We're on Facebook. You can see pictures of Richard... As Acton on our small gift big story Facebook page. Look They're us up. really awesome. Um, this week we're going to uh, have Richard talk to us by phone and he's going to uh, really just sort of let us know how he got into uh, Sanrio and Hello Kitty. Uh, it's very exciting. And being a furry. Yes. Him being a furry, a fan of anthropomorphic animals. And we were talking about this earlier. Yeah. How. We're furries because we like Sanrio characters, right? Because if you are a fan of an anthropomorphic character. Then you're a furry. That is furry. Then doesn't that make you a furry? But let's let's run down the list. But do you um, have to like anything and everything that's anthropomorphic and furry? Well, he he was explaining that like popular characters that are like in the furry fandom are like Tony the Tiger. Oh, and he's cool. What are like? Is that from Frosted Flakes? From Frosted Flakes. I just yeah. saw that at Walgreens. What about Honey Smacks? If you like the frog from Honey Smacks, frogs are not furry. So if you like Karopi, are you, you like, a slimer? I don't know. I could be. I could be a slimer. You can like, but isn't slimer? You aren't you, can if like you call a yourself a slimer, are you a are you of a, the frog? Are you in or the f- of Karopi? Clearly we are getting off topic. We gotta get back to oh, yeah. Richard's Richard. story. Um really Ooh, exciting story. Yeah. Richard was in the Navy stationed in uh just south of Tokyo in Japan. In the eighties. In the eighties, and just like, oh my goodness, what a glorious time to be a Sanrio fan. A Sanrio fan. And, uh... Well, Richard's love for Hello Kitty sort of represents a mix of his nostalgia for his time in Japan and his love for all things cute and furry. Which Hello Kitty is both. 
I was exposed to Hello Kitty probably in the 1980s when I was stationed in Yokosuka, Japan. So I was really exposed. I think one of the reasons probably I liked Hello Kitty, I started getting Hello Kitty because I was exposed to a lot of the Japanese culture. I like I go off base and... Um, as I said, I think I saw Hell Kitty, but then it was sort of like she was just one of many other cute characters, so I didn't really see the cultural significance to it. And that's, I think, that's part of the reason I do collect it, is to remember my times in Japan. But I think it's more also that, um, as I said, she's cute and thing, and it's something I can enjoy without being guilty about. I'm also very expressive. I wanted to... Um, so I expressed my geekiness and fandom by decorating my apartment. So I started with a lot of bear items and stuff. And one day I was cleaning my apartment and I found this Hello Kitty plush, which um, I used to do closeout sales. And I sold all but this one Hello Kitty plush. So I sort of kept it just as sort of a trophy of my first successful sale. And I was looking at it and I said, you know, she's kind of cute. And she's anthropomorphic. Oh, why not? So I bought this, gone to the um, San Rio store and bought this 24-inch Oh, very delicate. Just told out my manliness and everything, and I next thing I know, start taking over my apartment. So it's because of a closeout sale that Richard and Hello Kitty serendipitously reunite once again, and then she starts to take over his apartment. And his collecting begins. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are obviously a fan of Sanrio. One of us. One of us. And you know that when you need to replace an item, like an everyday item, of course, you get that. spatula. You get that thrill of like, well, I don't, I'm not going to go get a regular spatula. I'm going to get a Hello Kitty spatula. Yeah. And so... Richard, he was telling us that when he needed some uh, bed sheets, sheets, yep, he didn't want to just get any regular bed sheets. He wanted to get Hello Kitty bed sheets because he had all these plushes that were taking over his apartment. So it's just natural to move on to the next piece and get Hello Kitty. And he also talks about how he's not only into collecting furry Hello Kitty plushes, but he's fascinated with the culture of cute things and that Hello Kitty brings along with her and gives a shout out to... Yeah, Christine Yano's book, Pink Globalization. Yay! These days I collect a lot of the figures and stuffed animals or stuffed Hello Kitties. And I think I'm up to around well over 60 of them today. As I said, I'm a fan of anthropomorphic animals, part of that furry subculture, and she's anthropomorphic. So, And also the other characters. I like to collect a lot of the other characters, too. And hopefully you like to build up on um, many of the characters that are just available in Japan. Uh, one of my favorite, um, as far as uh, final collections, is the... Um, first series of the EVA Airline Plush. I have both sets of that and a couple others. I also have some posters and that, but I said that the plush is around 60. As a matter of fact, I was talking to my mother about that. I told her, you know, since my father died in 2002, she was talking to me about estate planning. And one plan, I said, if I plan to be here for a long time, but if something happens that I would like my collection to go to Comoricon, which is the anime convention, and they have a charity auction, and let them just auction out that way. I, as I said, I like them because I said they're just cute and innocent. And a lot of the other ones, like the Japan Nation series, reminds me of Japan. 
I like that because I really love being in Japan and one of the reasons I like to go back to it. So it's just a reminder. Other ones are just part of my favorite. I have one, uh, one of my favorite is the um, one in the leopard suit, which I call Hello Kitty in the fur suit. And a few of my three foot uh, Hello Kitties, which I love, adore. And of course, I also like my 26 inch Choco Cat. I also tend to like to keep up with them. Hokey as a cultural item. I've been to the um, exhibit in Seattle, the uh, Super Cute exhibit, which was in Los Angeles now, and St. Helens, the Experience Music Project. I like to read a lot of books on the issue, like um, Pink Globalization by uh, Kathleen Yano, which is, I think is a very good book. Anyway, wants a intellectual discussion on Hello Kitty. So what happens hmm. when you drive around with Hello Kitty in your car or on your car, like a sticker. Have you ever driven around with Hello Kitty in the car? Uh, yeah. Uh huh. A so, couple times. A couple times. I also see, like Hello Kitty. Uh, what's that sticker we saw? Oh, the baby on board sticker. Oh yeah. And every time we see those things, like. Wait, why don't we have that sticker? Yeah, we should have one. Uh. Okay. Well, we don't, but we're gonna get it. <laughs> and remember when I had a Hello Kitty sticker on my scooter? Yeah. People loved you when you rode it around. And me. But That's true. But everyone was like, oh my gosh, Hello Kitty. Yeah. But this is about Richard. That's right. And what happens when he drives around with Hello Kitty? Well, no surprise. People love him. And so he would now go to a lot of, well, he would and still does go to a lot of conventions. Mm -hmm. uh, not only for, I mean, there's a variety of conventions that he'll talk about. Um, but he always takes Miss Hello Kitty with him. Right. And Choco Cat, the, yeah. the large plushes that he has. I think it's like 26 Which inch. Which is really cool that he has huge, that. I want huge. that too. And if you check out on our Facebook page, you'll see a bunch of pictures of Hello Kitty uh, with various people from these various conventions. And he brings up a great idea to commission custom-made costumes for his Hello Kitty plushes. Let's, I'm into that. Let's give it a listen. Okay. You know, I bring the Hello Kitty to the conventions to play with the cosplayers and that, and everybody's like, oh, look, there's Hello Kitty! And that always happened. As a matter of fact, there was um reason that I, in 2009, I was not close to, I had her in my car, and someone said, oh, look, Hello Kitty, that's Hello Kitty! And I said, hmm, that's interesting. So instead of leaving the car, what happens if I bring her into the convention with me? And, and it's just like, I like to um, use her to put the prop with the cosplayers. I have her sitting in the Batmobile, um, the time machine from Back to the Future. I also like to, uh, also the same in my Chocolate Cat. Unfortunately, Chocolate Cat hasn't, not gotten a break. You know, uh, one time he got arrested by a bunch of stormtroopers. Uh, a centurion challenged him because um, he didn't have a comm badge. And one thing I'd like to do eventually with my Hello Kitty blushes, I have a 26-inch Hello Kitty blush and chocolate cat, and I know the Hello Kitty dress is renewable, so I'm thinking about commissioning a um, seamstress to make a bunch of cosplay outfits for her. I want to do a, like a Star Trek outfit for my Hello Kitty, and um, 
This summer, I'm doing what's called Western Con 69, which is doing a convention with GearCon, which is a steampunk convention at the same time. And so I thought, I'm going to get um, some steampunk outfits for my Hello Kitty plush for that convention. And as for Choco Cat, I, there's a popular anime called One Punch Man. I said, hmm, One Punch Cat. And I was going to do a cosplay for that on him and get someone sold an outfit for him. What I'm trying to do is get a lot of celebrities and um, my favorite science fiction authors to hold her and take pictures of her. For example, I do have a picture of Richard Hatch of Battlestar Galactica holding my Hello Kitty. I also have a couple of science fiction authors. Um, David B. Levine is a um, Hugo Award science fiction here in Portland. Strangling my Hello Kitty. I have um, William F. Nolan, who is, uh, wrote um, the Morgan Runs trilogy, holding her. And so that's something I always want to do. I think I know WesterCon, um, you know, you're so... The Glenn lives here in Portland. I definitely want to try to get a picture of her. I also have one of Dante Crest, who's um, one of my other favorite science fiction authors holding her. Dude, that idea for costumes for the Hello Kitty, like, I don't know about you, but I really want to see the Star Trek. Yeah, I want to see that Star Trek Hello Kitty. Like, I'm doing with my hands the live long yeah. and prosper. Sanrio, are you listening? Sanrio, long and prosper. <laughs> Small gift, long and prosper. Those are Maybe. some good ideas for slogans. So clearly after listening to that part of the segment of uh, the podcast, we're hearing that, you know, Richard really has this uh, deep fascination for displaying Hello Kitty and taking her to... Richard is quite fascinating. Yes. He likes to take her to, you know, show her off and showcase her. So um, our next sort of question for him was, you know, what... You what know do what you I just realized? What? He's from Portland and I'm from Portland. Dude. And we're both into Hello Kitty, Sanrio. Pacific Northwest. You know, it'd be another good, a really good outfit for Hello Kitty. What? Pacific Northwest style. Like B- Bigfoot 90s? kitty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we need a laugh track for this <laughs> podcast because it's just you and me like either giggling or snorting. Anyway, okay. we got to stick to Richard's story. Okay. All right. Casper is sleeping. That's right. There's a baby sleeping, so we have to kind of keep it quiet. If you're listening and you're like, Man, how come Richard's talking so loud and they're talking so softly? Shh. Baby's sleeping. The baby's and sleeping. number one rule, you never wake up a sleeping baby. So we wanted to know more about why Richard likes Hello Kitty and sort of what he is interested in and fascinated by. And I was, you know, my ears perked up when he started to talk about this particular collaboration between Sanrio specifically Hello Kitty and a uh, an institution that Richard will discuss. Are you going to give a hint? Um, it's sort of a debatable topic. Uh-oh. All right. Let's, let's let him talk. Okay. Here we go. One of my found was oh, problematic and interesting with the Hello Kitty Playboy and Hooters but I think in our family could look at it this way, that Hello Kitty is, you know, she doesn't have a mouth expression. It's whatever expression you want. And maybe the same way. She can put, be portrayed as any age she wants. I mean, I see a lot of pictures 
a pelican like in a tricycle or a box, which is not something a nine-year-old would be doing. But at the same time, you have um, Hooters that, and I think with Norberry, she looked like she used to be betrayed that somewhere in her 18 to 20 to early 30s, and I like that. I think the biggest thing, as I'm very interested in recently, is the push towards the male market. About a few years ago, a designer was um, interviewed with um, Time magazine, and he asked her a question, what will Hello Kitty be doing in 10 years from now? And she said, by 10 years now, everybody around the world will know her. Also, the number of male fans and female fans will be the same. Men who are reluctant to be seen with Hello Kitty in the public day might be wearing a Hello Kitty boxer, but in, eventually they'll stop being shy and show up their kitty proudly. And so I've been keeping in touch with that. You know, in 2007, we had the Hello Kitty men's wear thing, and I didn't like the Zimbabwe cow face and the empty face. But recently, I've been excited with about the Hello Kitty men project, and I think it's a little subdued. I mean, I want something, as a guy, be all friend, the Hello Kitty, to be overtly Hello Kitty. And I think, you know, so um, how um, the game changer, I can give you a hint, my Little Pony Friendship is Magic. I mean, 2010, no one thought a show about magical ponies aimed at girls would have so many guys, male friends, fans to it, to where you have something like BronyCon New York would have 5,000 attendees. And I thought, you know, someone in Sarah must be looking at that. Of course, I tell my friends, you know, if they really want the male fans, what they can do is get Lauren Faust to reboot Hello Kitty and Friends, we will own the brony market. Because unlike Hasbro, I know Sarah wants the male fans, but there's little problems with that too. You know, I you know, go to a, a brony site. I know uh, Fan Real is very guarded about their intellectual property, and you go to the brony site like Questia uh, Daily, and you see guys making songs and art. I don't know. If, well, family allow us to have that freedom to do that. But I think it's fun, you know, with that show, it says, yes, we can reach the male market. And hopefully they'll have something big and tall for me, because I'm a very big and tall person. I want a T-shirt. I want the Hello Kitty T-shirt and stuff. I think also, you know, if family is smart, they also might be trying um, marking some of the other characters, such as Bats Maru. I think Bats Maru will do very well in the United States. He's sort of a troublemaker, cutting edge. I think he will really do well in the male market. But also Hello Kitty, because I said, you know, things are changing in the United States, and I think we are ready for that to come in. I mean, if we can be friends with ponies, why not Hello Kitty? That's true. Things are changing in the United States, and Richard is talking about bridging the gender gap between Sanrio fans, Marty, you can talk about that, right? Uh, Male fan, I can talk about that. Yeah, I like Have Sanrio. I said before how many Sanrio characters are male? It's fact? true. We just talked about Sweet Coron earlier. Yep. And More men than women he's in the a Sanrio character I'm looking, family. I'm turning around at Small Gift Studios, <laughs> and I see Hangyo Down, Tuxedo Sam, Monkey Chi. Landry, Pom Pom Porin, Karopi, Picky Bicky, <laughs> Pippo the Pig, Goro Picadon, Goro Picadon, All Boys, Pachanko, 
of course I said Monkeechee. Yeah. I should have said him first. Oh. Um, but you know. Um, there's probably listeners to the podcast that are shouting out their favorite. Pochaco. Well, we said Pochaco. Mina no Tabo. Wait, did we say Monkeechee? Yeah. Yeah, Mina no Tabo. These are all dudes. All boy characters. What about Coral Coral Careerin? The little hamster? He's a boy. He's a boy. So mm. ladies. What about um I don't know. There's there's other ones to choose so. from. What about Sanrio characters that are n- neither boy nor girl? Like the runabouts. Well, what about Shinkinson? Not Shane Conson. <laughs> Shane Conson. Shinkinson. People might think that they are for a boy or for a girl, but in Richard's What view, about Robbie Rabbit? Every character is for every body. It's true. And speaking of certainly Hello Kitty being for everybody... Uh, as Richards talked about before, him taking Hello Kitty to all these conventions and Hello Kitty just being such a, you know, uh, fan favorite, we asked him to sort of elaborate on a couple of stories or anything that was memorable that happened. And he brings up a very memorable example. <laughs> With a contest. Certain, certain contest and a certain he costume. He Hello Kitty in. So let's let's don't end your sentence with a preposition. Like that's right. Let's not give any spoilers. Let's have Richard uh, kindly tell the audience. That's an interesting story. You talked of what happened at some of the conventions. About 2009, I went to a uh, convention called Rank for Rest. It's an you know, anthropomorphic cartoon animal for a convention in Seattle, Washington. And they had a, a costume costume, a plushy costume costume. It's sort of iron plushy. You got in there Friday morning, and you pick up a bag with a bunch of scraps, and you're supposed to come up with a um, costume by Saturday evening during the uh, masquerade and talent show. And I decided to bring my, both my dear Daniel and my Build-A-Bear Hello Kitty plush. I figured I'd use one of those two. And I got a um, my bag, which contained a big slosh of um, a big piece of a blue, blue cloth, and a few other assorted items. And the first thing I found out that I cannot sew to save my life. So I was in trouble already. So I started sewing this off and I thought, oh, maybe Hello Kitty and the Burka, you know, the Middle Eastern version of it. Just go for total irony. And the evening came around for the uh, talent show. There were, I was one of three others who participated in the contest. One had a uh, teddy bear with a nice little cute vest. The other one was a zombie bear, and I thought the zombie bear was going to win. And so I showed my Hell Kitty in the burka, and the audience went crazy, and I won the contest. But the real kicker was later the chairman, who was a good friend of mine, told me that I beat out a master costume maker. And she was not too, she was not too happy about it. I remember the next, uh, a couple of days later she posted on it, and she complained about it. But it was, um, I told her, you know, when doing a costume like that, you had to go with irony, you know, you, when the audience was in. Now, I was, if it was a judge costume, I would have probably been left out of the room with that wretched. 
And we're coming to the end of this episode. No. Well, time is a ticking, and we just wanted to give another reminder to visit our Facebook for pictures from and email us from Richard's uh, uh, adventures, outs, outings, and everything like that. Um, Check out Richard's Hello Kitty he takes everywhere. And if you are interested, drop us a line. Let us know that you have some Sanrio stories that you'd like to share. I know that there are some listeners that we're asking to be on our podcast. Uh, don't be nervous. Let us, let us, let's chat. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about Sanrio. We love your stories. And Richard is going to play us out this week by telling us his top five favorite Sanrio characters. Hit it, Yay. Richard. Well, in no particular order, my favorite, of course, favorite is Kitty White herself. I also like my melody. Chocolate Cat. I think he's just a cute, innocent cat. Uh, but Chaco, I think Chaco I like because he's more like me. You know, he's very sporty, but he's a little bit clumsy and stuff. And that's about pretty much my life. And I also like Batsmaru because he's a little bit ambitious, something like me. A little bit ambitious and playful. And so I like, like to play practical jokes and things, except I like to leave like, weird references and stuff. Like, for example, at work, I use... Um, Sometimes I have to enter a name. I'll use one of the San Real characters and see if anybody will get it. 